With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As we open up this nightcap, happy 35th birthday to one Michael Zachary Myers. Lead guitars for the band Shine Down. That's the sound of madness right there. Sounds like madness. 700 WLW, Gary Jeff Walker, good evening on this November 7th, 2018. <sighs> the pause that refreshes. Oh, there has there been any real pause since the results of the midterms and voting yesterday? Picked right up like nothing ever changed. Today at the White House, <laughs> news coming out of the White House. Uh, no news coming out of uh, Jim Acosta from CNN. Dude was so rude today. When are people going to get the idea? When the president makes himself available, and he has made himself more accessible and more available than any president I can remember in my lifetime, especially to the news people, even the fake news people, as he likes to call it, the media, they still haven't gotten it. If he, if, (laughs) okay, I got it. If he answers the question, maybe not to your satisfaction, but you know, and there's a whole room full of people there in that White House press corps. Today was the East Room of the White House. Big area. Lots of press there from all over the world. And yet Jim Acosta thinks he's entitled to ask multiple questions when the president says he's moving to someone else and giving someone else a voice, someone else a chance, and then he won't let go of the microphone. The poor White House intern is trying to take the microphone to somebody else so everybody can hear their question and then the president's response to their question, whatever their question happens to be, and dude won't let the microphone go. They will learn. Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. Uh, UC opening up their brand new remodeled fifth third arena, playing the Ohio State Buckeyes for the first time since 1920 in Cincinnati. And the christening didn't go all that well for the Bearcats. An eight point loss to Ohio State, Big Ten school, understand all of that. But I was thinking, I was listening, and UC was having trouble. Uh, scoring points, perhaps if they'd been playing basketball against the Ohio State football team, UC would have scored more points. Sorry, Doug, my Buckeye friend in Ripley. Maybe they would have fared better against Urban Meyer's defense than the basketball defense. Who knows? 513-749-7000, pound 700 and at is a free call, as you heard during the newscast. There's a new uh, acting attorney general in President Trump's administration. By the way, that's an executive branch office of which the president has total control of. 
He should. The attorney general, like other cabinet members, work at the president's pleasure. Not at Robert Mueller's pressure, a pleasure, not at the press's pleasure, but at the president's pleasure. And this president has been unpleasured with Jeff Sessions ever since he recused himself from the beginnings of the Russian collusion story. So the new guy, Mark Whitaker, used to work for CNN and wrote in an op-ed piece back in 2017 that if Mueller went after the president's family business and his family members, he was crossing a line. The guy is not a Democratic, a Democrat partisan. He may not be a Republican partisan, but he thinks that the president has good reason to do the things he's doing. Interesting stuff. On the show tonight, let me give you the rundown here because it's good stuff. Just ahead of Veterans Day, Hampton Sides will be with us shortly after 10 o'clock talking about his book uh, about the Korean War. And I will get you the title of that here in a moment. But it's, it's really good. It's about, it is about an early battle of the Korean War where 13,000 U.S. Marine Corps were battling 100,000 Chinese in minus 30-degree weather. A battle that consisted of bravery, bloodshed, frostbite, and being overrun by a horde of enemy that they didn't know were there. And it's something that's not talked about in the history books much. The Korean War is called the Forgotten War for a lot of good reasons. I hate that it is, but people just, uh, you don't get the gravitas or the, the cachet of World War II and the tremendous battles and victories over Nazi Germany and the Imperial Japanese. Many people called the Korean War a police action. We'll get into that with Hampton Sides. Just past 10 o'clock tonight. At 10.30, Mike Allen with reaction... With reaction to uh, the midterms, what happened locally, and what's transpired today with the letting go of Jeff Sessions and the like. 11 o'clock, the Bulldog, Eric Dieters, barks before midnight on this nightcap. At 11.30 tonight, my friend Dr. John Huber, forensic psychologist from Austin, Texas, the proprietor, the curator of MainstreamMentalHealth.org and the Mainstream Mental Health radio program, always a good time chatting with Dr. Huber, and we will do that again this evening before we're done. Right now, let's get your phone calls. We have Warren and Osgood. Hello, Warren. What's up? Hey, Gary, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, thanks for calling. Uh, I'm on my way to work, and as usual, I turn this station on because it's always been a favorite of mine, but it actually has turned me from Democrat or from Republican to Democrat. How, so, how so, Warren? Why? Well, uh, just your your views and your phone calls and Bill Cunningham's views and phone calls and you know you guys are so much like our president. You're you know you like this kind of a dictatorship kind of a thing where you can hang up on somebody or you know the other night I was listening again and and uh, the guy from Norwood that you always treat so poorly in my opinion. Who, who uh, who's that? Uh, yeah, I, when I get on here, you're intimidating in case you don't know it, but I can't think. Glenn, Glenn from, uh. I know he's from Mason. Where, Glenn from all right, Mason. Okay. All right, Mason. I'll remember that. Um, anyway, you, you, uh, hung up on him because he was calling people's names and you called him an idiot again after you hung up on him. And I, 
I brought that out to you one other time, and you said you apologized to him sincerely. Well, I didn't hear an apology. This I didn't call time, him. I didn't call Warren. You're you're wrong. I didn't call him an idiot. No, the other night. you go back. You said your idiocy. Idiocy is what you said. Your you idiocy. Call him an idiot. Oh, your yeah. idiocy. You're, you call you call him an idiot anyway. Uh, okay, so anyway, that's, that's what you say. Anyway, okay, I, I'm letting you talk. Plan. I don't think you're an oh. idiot, Warren. You're just expressing your opinion. So please continue. You said I don't you want you want it either, and that's what, one reason why I call. You know, one thing I have such a hard thing understanding uh -huh. is how intelligent people mm -hmm. can back this president. I just, I mean, what he did today. You know, fire. It's obvious why he fired Jeff Sessions. You know, oh, you could, you can, Warren. You can read his mind. Yeah. Oh, you can. Yeah. Well, I didn't yeah, know you I, were a psychic. This is awesome. See, this is the way you are. It's, this is why you are intimidating. And I don't know why you let me intimidate me because you know I, I have just as much right. You're in a position where you can just kind of control things and you say what you want to say. You know, I just wish more people who felt like I do, would call in. I mean, you get all you do is get the, your buddies that call in and are on your side about everything. Mm -hmm. Every call that you take, just about, except for just a few, you know, are all about, uh, you know, what your views and your, your all right, thoughts. All right, Warren, guess what? Yeah. You're my what? guest. You're my guest for the rest of this half hour. Please continue. Okay, so today he fires Jeff Sessions. Right, which he has every right to do. Yeah, I know. You just said that. I understand Well, that. it's true. He has, he has every right to do anything he wants. Um, and no, so no, he know, doesn't. That's what he likes, too. He well, loves Warren, the power. Hold on. And you know, Wait, I said well, you wait a minute. You said I was your guest. And you that's give, that's you right. And, I, right and, and, and let, let me respond to what you just said. All right. He okay, does, go ahead. He can't do whatever he wants to do. But as the president, he has a constitutional right. In fact, everyone in the cabinet, including the attorney general, work at the pleasure of the president. And many other presidents have fired their attorney generals after the midterms. It's not the first time this has ever happened, Warren, so please no, go I'm on. I'm sure Nixon did it, I'm please, sure. Please go on. Okay. So, uh, anyway, he, you know, the obvious, I think, the obvious reason is that he wants someone in there who will be on his side with this Mueller investigation and, you know, that can stop the Mueller investigation, which, you know, it, that is such a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I can't understand. It's people with intelligent people. Let me let me ask you. Well, let me ask you why it's a dangerous thing to stop the or and and he's he, the president stated today he's not going to stop it. He could have stopped it a long time ago, but he said he's not going to. So go ahead. No, but what he does, he he says that. But you know, this is the biggest lying president there ever was. He mm -hmm. he's a, he's smarter than what we have given him credit to be. I will give him that. I mean, he wants. He wants to have this new guy in there because this new guy has has uh, spoken, you know, that he has the same views mm -hmm. about the Mueller investigation. Mm -hmm. So he wants this Mueller investigation stopped to protect his family. I, I'm sure of that. Warren, Warren, I mean, let me let me just ask you real quickly, and and I'll let you have your your last say in just a moment, okay? But I've given right. you. I've given you lots of time. You've had at least five, six minutes. And I know I've interrupted you a couple times. I apologize, but I had to point out where I thought you were wrong. Uh, what exactly is the point of the Mueller investigation, Warren? Wasn't it supposed to be about collusion with Russians? And then maybe it was obstruction of justice. The indictments have all been about bank fraud, about loans, about 
Russians who aren't in this country and can't be prosecuted and have no ties to President Trump's campaign or his presidency. So what exactly is this supposed to be all about and why, why is it so important that it continues after almost two years based on phony documentation, i.e. the dossier that Hillary Clinton and the Democratic National Committee paid for with Christopher Steele that they brought before the FISA court to get the spying on Carter Page started and this Russian collusion narrative started. So what, what exactly is the point of Robert Mueller's investigation at this point? Well, Sean Hannity couldn't have said it any better. No, I I just, mean, I'm just i asking you, you a question. You, everything you say, you, you get from Fox News. No, I do not. I think, <laughs> I think, I think for every myself. Time watch, every time right. I turn it over and watch Fox News, mm-hmm. then I will listen to you, and you've got something from that point of view. And I'll admit that maybe I get my point of views from a different, you know, Way, but I at least mm-hmm. turn over to try to get the other side. And I can remember when I sat and watched Fox News because I had conservative. I'm still feel conservative, and I don't agree with every. I don't like some of the Democrats' morals. I really don't. But I mean, I, that's what I can't understand about the Republican Party right now: how they mm-hmm. can put up with this immoral president. More, more, I mean, it's just, more. Warren, you could have... Hey, I know I've taken up a lot of your time. No, no, so no, no. I, I, I'm I, glad to have you on. I'm glad you called, Warren, and I'm serious about that, and you're not an idiot. But let me ask you, you, you could have boiled this conversation down to a minute by just saying, I hate Trump. That's all you needed to say. It's pretty obvious. Willie agrees with Warren. Hi, Willie. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, Warren, I don't know him from Adam, but uh, he's got a point. And I don't know that it came out of way. <laughs> Willie always defends Trump. You usually do. Mm-hmm. Trump and his decision to fire his best buddy, <laughs> or it looked like he was his best buddy. Remember the, in the campaign? Well, Jeff Sessions was one of the first Republicans to come on board to support him. And that's why I yeah, think, pre- well, I, th- yeah, I think he, it's why he, President he, Trump decided that he, and because of his experience in the law, he, yeah. he decided to appoint Jeff Sessions. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Says his attorney general. Which, when he did that, I said, that guy's a known racist. I've studied this stuff. I'm a, I've taught history four years. Jeff Sessions is not my friend. But should he be fired at this point? But, but I, I shouldn't say it. Trump can fire him. He's right. Uh, has, a const- has a constitutional right to do it. Oh, I know he does. Yeah, he hired him. He can fire him. And it doesn't matter what the reason is either, Willie. That's the point. It makes no difference. I just think Trump and his... Cohorts, <laughs> okay. are very afraid, not of Jeff Sessions, but this, the, all the moves from Moore and many others. Has the collusion been proven? No. Not to me, but there's something going on there. And there are many Soviet military and other leaders that have been to the United States, and they're good buddies with not just Trump, but his whole family. Mm-hmm. Other than the little girl, or oh, his son, yeah. Well, the, the, the you girl. know what? When uh, Michael Flynn got in trouble, even before 
President Trump had been inaugurated. Yeah, I know. Uh, this Russian ambassador, Kislyak, was the focus yeah. of the attention. Yeah. Guess guess who was buddy buddy with Kislyak just like a year and a half earlier? Hillary Clinton. Look, oh, check I don't it doubt out. That. Read, read about. I don't it. doubt that. I'm not defending all all these all these all these pieces. These people that you're talking about don't mm-hmm. prove any kind of of crime or criminal activity by this president or his campaign or, or well, it's not it's being investigated and you got a lot of stuff going on well, well how come it takes so damn long to investigate what was it supposed to be russian to collusion investigate hillary and nothing happened but yeah. they investigated her <laughs> no they, they didn't they didn't, invest, they didn't they didn't investigate the emails for four years they investigated you know, i didn't they investigated benghazi they investigated whitewater mm-hmm. Uh, okay. oh, then then, yeah, then they that. then they investigated Hillary about the emails and they they literally had a letter recommending that nothing should be done before they even started the investigation. That's how corrupt the Department of Justice mm-hmm. under President Obama was. So if you want to talk about crime and corruption, it's rife. And I and, and Willie, I will say this to you. Here's the difference. I like my criminal oh. more than I like your criminals. How about Maybe that? <laughs> how about I that? Criminals. I, I like, like uh, I like my criminal better than I like your criminal. Who's your criminal? Well, maybe, but uh, even when his buddy O'Reilly said, uh, "Wasn't that Putin a killer?" and Trump said, "Oh, there are many killers out there." You remember that? It was on. Yeah, uh, and he Fox he was News. he was dead on right too. There are many killers out there. There are many killers, but why was he so afraid to say, "Yeah, Putin's a killer"? I don't know if he was afraid. He was looking at it from a possible diplomatic standpoint. We have to deal with Russia. Would you? Would you like to? No, hold on, Willie. Would you like to go back to the Cold War? No. Okay. But why? Why be nice to Putin if you're going to say nasty things about North Korea? And now he's made up. I don't know what's going on with that, but I think there's something that the Russians have. I hope not. Okay. I'm, a, I'm an American. I serve well, my country. Uh, again, you you are you are stating uh, you you think there's something going on, but you can't put I think your so. There's on. a lot of evidence to say there is. But when Trump got up after that investigation and stood up in front in Helsinki and said, "Why would it be the Russians?" and then he comes on the next day, "Why wouldn't it be the Russians?" Which is it? Well, uh, he speaking English. He wasn't speaking Russian. Why knee jerk and jump to conclusions till you know all the facts? I, I didn't. Well, the, the no, I'm talking about the president. Why, why knee jerk and jump to conclusions if you don't know all the facts? And hasn't well, hasn't Robert know. Mueller hasn't Robert Mueller and his team his and the millions of dollars have been spent and they can't find anything. They can't publish anything because well, they, they don't know anything. That's. I think they found a few things. They've indicted a lot of people. There's several guys. Nobody connect. Nobody connected to the president, really. I hope not, except his son. Not the younger son. I think he's okay. Donald so Donald Trump Jr. didn't do anything wrong taking that meeting in the Trump Tower because. But he, why do you lie about it? He would already be prosecuted if he had. Uh, Willie, thank you, and Willie, you have carte blanche to come on anytime you want to, whether you agree with me or not. And by the way, I haven't watched Sean Hannity in about a week and a half because I don't get my news from Sean Hannity. Dave, let me know when I got to take a break to hit the news. As a matter of fact, I know we're we're quickly approaching that time. About 30 seconds. So, Kurt, 
Kurt, can you say it succinctly in 30 seconds? Uh, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I can. Um, Willie and Warren are both, uh, uh, maybe not succinctly, I might not be able to. They're just, they're, they're in their fields right now, and they've been in their fields. And they're, they're just, they feel that the president is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sorry, we didn't elect anybody, you know, we, we didn't elect President Trump, because we felt like he's, oh, he's just so, uh, no, we elected him to do a job, and he's doing a damn good job at it, and I understand Warren can't understand, but that really doesn't surprise me just listening. All right, Kurt, thank you very much for that. We'll have Scott Hofstra, United Kentucky Tea Party on after the news, and your phone calls as we continue on this nightcap, 700 WLW. Like this guy, I live a life of danger. Happy birthday, John Henry Ramostella, Johnny Rivers, who turns 76 today. There's a man who leads a life of danger. Love this dude. To everyone he meets, he stays a stranger. Whatever move he makes, another chance he takes. Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow. It's the nightcap on 700 WLW and Gary Jeff Walker. Real quickly to some phone calls before we get to Scott Hofstra of the United Kentucky Tea Party on this Wednesday night. Chris, how are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? Uh, appreciate you taking my phone sure, call. Sure, absolutely. What's on your it's mind? The stuff that um, yeah, I just want to say busted. that we got a great president. I think he's doing a good job. And, and you know what the Democrats won't bring out is that, you know, President Obama spent twelve trillion dollars, if I'm not mistaken, in eight year in his eight year span. No other president has ever done that. The national the debt, the national debt, actually doubled. It was closer to ten trillion. But you know, what's a couple trillion here and there? Exactly. And plus, you know, eight hundred eighty-seven billion dollar job package when the Democrats had full control of the House, when they had the White House and the Senate, they gave him eight hundred eighty-seven billion dollars, which created nothing but more debt and then what was it a year or two later he asked for another 447 billion dollar job package and i thank god that john boehner and them that they stood their ground and didn't give it to him but you know president trump he just wants 23 you know money to fund the wall which will come back through the trade deficit or you know through trade with mexico which they will pay for it but you know i mean it just makes you sick how the democrats could give him that much money and you know he asked 20 Three billion, you well, know, just to protect us. Well, what's and, what's the most interesting part of what you're talking about, Chris? Is the Democrats have now become deficit hawks when they spent like drunken sailors every time they were in power. I mean, it's the pot calling the kettle black when it comes to talking about money that's spent in deficit spending. Uh, President Obama's supporters would say, "Well, he had to do that to prop up the economy he inherited." Well, he didn't do a good job of propping up that economy. If you look at President Trump's GDP numbers and the growth that's happened in the stock market and in the wages of Americans and in the jobless claims, which are now at record lows in all sectors of the country. So, I mean, I I get what you're saying. And it just it's so hypocritical to talk about spending now when they didn't say boo when Barack Obama was in power. Chris in Westchester, hello. You had a question. Just a quick one. And, and, and before I get to my question, just remember, they're, they're, the Democrats, they're the ones who uh, approved a guy getting a million-dollar grant 
to test the consistency of ketchup. So there you go. <laughs> and that's a fact. That is a fact. Now, I just have a quick sports question. And I know people, and, and, then, and your producer, he, he, he kind of gave me some insight on it, but I, it still doesn't make any sense. What the hell do you need a pitching coach and a batting coach for in the major leagues? It's the same game from Little League Cup. If you ain't figured it out by now, your ass shouldn't be there. Well, it's a good question, but let me just uh, play devil's advocate for a second, Chris. And it, this has nothing. Right, this has nothing with pitching and hitting coaches. Uh, the year after Joey Votto won the MVP, right? Okay. Yeah. He came to spring training with Ted Williams' book on hitting with him. I mean, the guy works tirelessly at making himself better. So, if a pitching coach or a hitting coach could prospectively make you better. As a How? major leaguer? I, I don't know. There are nuances. That, but, but see, that's just, I don't understand. You're already in, you're at the top of the game. You should have figured that out years before you got there. I see what you're saying. That's what I mean, because now I can understand in, in football, because it is different from college to NFL. It's a different game. They have different rules. It's a completely different game. But I looked at it, and the only difference from little league and major league is the size of the field and the players. Uh, aluminum bats in college, right? Yeah, yeah, well, that, yeah, whatever, but it's, you, I mean, I don't know. What's a pitching coach going to tell you? Throw faster. A hitting coach, hit harder. I, I, what? Well, Chris, you know what? This is a question for uh, the, the new Reds manager. <laughs> I hope so. And, and I will, I, if I get a chance to talk to David Bell, I'll ask him. Thank you so much. Now our guest from the United Kentucky Tea Party, Scott Hofstra. How are you doing, Mr. Hofstra, this evening? I'm doing very well, Gary Jeff. How are you? I'm good. What was your takeaway in the election last night in Kentucky? What happened in, in, well, in our home state? You know, it was very interesting after what happened in Frankfurt this year, and uh, the teachers and some of the unions were planning a big blue wave. Uh, they planned to take over the House of, of Representatives and turn into a kind of a little blue ripple. Uh, we traded one House seat. We went from 63 House seats to 62 on the Republican side. And the Democrats went from 37 to 38. So it, it, their blue wave that, didn't amount to hell. Yeah, that's, in terms that, of the that's, House. Not a, that's, that's not even a trickle. No. And the Senate picked up one Republican seat. So the Senate even increased their majority. So it, it didn't turn out to be much here in, in Kentucky. It turned out very solid. In a um, congressional race, uh, Andy Barr had, uh, had the president come and, and support him. Amy McGrath. I believe had uh, what Joe Biden down to campaign for her. Yes. Anyway, she did. um didn't the McGrath campaign spend a lot more than the Barr campaign for that that congressional two, seat? 2 to 1. Yeah. Yep, she outspent Barr 2 to 1 and still still couldn't get it done, but I'll tell you what, that was a nail biter. Yeah. Oh, I know. I understand and and it was projected to be possibly one of those flip seats uh going from red to blue, but it didn't pan out that way. My my representative Thomas Massey won handily, which I expected. Uh, yep. And uh, the the only problem that arose yesterday in the Kentucky ballot, and it's something that I kind of joked about doing about a month ago, just because of kickback against the Kavanaugh confirmation and, and that horrible, horrible display of partisanship sure. that that verged on ruining people's lives to obtain some political goal, was that. I joked about voting straight R, which, of course, I did not. Uh, yes. Because, mainly because the guy came into the bar with egg on his face after he voted yesterday. And I said, eh, how you doing, man? 
said, straight R. I said, well, you missed Charlie Coleman, who was running for Campbell oh, County no. Commissioner, for, for judge executive, because he was an independent. Yep, you, have to, you have to vote those separately, yep. You absolutely do. So anybody that voted straight D or straight R, I, I feel sorry for because they might have missed some good candidates. And, of course, Coach Coleman lost his bid to uh, to gain the judge executive seat in Campbell County over Steve Pendry, and we're stuck with Pendry for another, you know, series yeah, of I saw that. election cycles, which just, it sickened me. And just to think that either Pendry, and, and Pendry has a solid base in Fort Thomas and the like, and I understand. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stanley's got a lot of friends and a lot of cronies who will vote for him no matter what kind of policies he puts forth as judge executive in Campbell County. But Charlie Coleman... Is, is a guy who fights for taxpayers all the time on that county commissioner's board. And uh, it just, it was sad to see him left so, out of the mix because th- there was an I in front of his name instead of an R. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, that, and that's the sad part about it. I'd love to see Kentucky go to a non-straight ballot uh, system so that we don't have the ability to vote straight R, straight D. You have to look at every candidate. Uh, looking nationally, too, Scott, Scott Hofstra is our guest here on the Nightcap. Uh, looking nationally, I wonder how many people in this country voted straight D or straight R, depending on uh, whether they were in an urban district or whether they're in a rural district. And you really, and that's something that the Tea Party's all about, is not just being beholden to these two major parties and actually looking at individual candidates instead of an R or a D, right? Exactly. We look at the candidates based on what they stand for, what their core values are, and and how those core values mesh with ours in terms of smaller constitutional government, lower taxes based on that government, personal responsibility, and free markets. And if their values match ours, if their core values match ours, then, then yeah, absolutely, we talk to them. Do you vote, and somebody else brought this up earlier tonight, uh, do you vote ever based just on emotion and feeling, whether a candidate makes you feel good or what they represent and what they're trying to do? No, I'm, I'm actually a pretty big nerd. I do a lot of homework into the people who run um, I look at their backgrounds, how they, if they've been in office, how they voted in the past. I look at what they stand for, and I, I vote based on the, those principles in their past history, not on emotion. What was your takeaway overall from the elections? That a lot of people were expecting uh, maybe the Democrats to win uh, 40, 50, 60 seats in the House of Representatives. I think it turned out being 36. So the blue wave yeah. wasn't as monstrous as was predicted by many, and with historical precedent. Uh, and the Senate, yeah. of, Senate, of course, gained two seats. Uh, do you think this guarantees gridlock for the next two years? Oh, I think it will. It's going to guarantee a lot, awful lot of lawsuits. They're already talking about how many lawsuits they're lining up to go after Trump and after other members. Um, I, I think they're going to try to make as much trouble as they can in the next two years. And I think that's going to end up just like the Kavanaugh hearings. It's going to backfire on them. 
and it's going to guarantee in two years that Trump gets reelected and, and that they take the House back. I, I don't see that as a winning strategy for them. Just, I look at, without trying to be too partisan, somebody accused me earlier of getting all of my political news from Sean Hannity. <clears throat> so, it's like, well, I, I've watched him before. I haven't really tuned into Hannity the last week and a half. I've been busy, had other things to do. Uh, Sean always struck me as a, a GOP cheerleader. All that's missing is the pom-poms yeah. and the skirt. I agree with a yeah. lot of the stuff, and, and he does bring up some good facts in his program, but I do not get my opinions or my views from Sean Hannity or any other talking head. I, I see what's going on. I've got a mind of my own. I've been around a little while now, so I've seen. Sure. And and the other thing, too, with, with President Trump is that everybody expects the president to be George Washington. I'll bet you yes. that there are some people in this country, right after we won independence from, from Great Britain, from King George and the tyranny of King George, I bet there were a lot of people who didn't necessarily like George Washington, but he was the dude. You know, he was a great leader, and he had the bravery. He had the kahunas to step out in the face of a possible execution or being hung for treason and and all the rest, and he led a ragtag bunch of colonists against the greatest army in the world at the time. So, yeah, he deserved But even George Washington wasn't the George Washington that we so revere today. Was he? I mean, he was brash. He was brash. No, he, he, was brash. No, he, he was brash. Sure. He was blunt. He was, he was plain spoken and he'd get right in your face. Well, and during his time as general, he often butted heads with the folks who were in the continental Congress because they didn't want to free up money to, to feed and, and to uh, arm the troops to clothe them. He went to war with them. Well, there were a lot of folks who were not fans of his in the Congress at that time. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, people revere and, and deify Ronald Reagan, and Ronald Reagan was a favorite president of mine. He was the first president I was uh, legally allowed to vote for in 1980, and I did. But, I mean, Reagan has his foibles, just like, just like sure. all, of these, all of these people who were elected president of the United States of America. And for people to expect Trump to be perfectly presidential all the time, I think is uh, they lose sight of what what the office is and what the job is of the executive of the United States. It, and ultimately, you have to look at, the, at what they're doing. To, there are so many people who look just at his brash exterior. They're not looking at the things he's accomplishing in, in no. terms of reducing taxes, improving the trade deficit. Um, there are so many things going on behind the scenes that a lot of those people are not paying attention to. And i got to tell you, when the presidential election came around, I wasn't Trump's biggest fan. In fact, I was the, the Kentucky chair for the Ted Cruz campaign. Right. But I, I certainly appreciate a lot of the things he has done since he's been president. He's had a will. He's had a spine. He has stood up to his own party when he needed to and said, listen, this is how it's going to go down. And I don't think we've seen a president like that in a very long time. Reagan was probably the last one that approached that. And, and what you're saying is it's what he's done, not what he's tweeted not the way he makes exactly. you feel with brash comments. None of the rest yep. of that matters. Scott Hofstra, thank you so much for your time tonight. Always a joy to talk to you, and hopefully we'll uh, do it next week if you got time.
Uh, absolutely, Gary Jeff. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Right. Scott Hoster, United Kentucky Tea Party. Before we break, too sweet. You had an answer for Chris in yeah, Westchester I mean, about the hitting and pitching coast? Yes. I mean, sports are psychological. Sometimes players get in slumps. Sometimes they develop bad habits. Sometimes their, their fundamentals need so to be So maybe, maybe they should have a psychological coach then. Well, no, that's what the coaches do. They, they play a little bit of a psychological game. That's, that's what a good, good coach does. Because players develop bad habits, you know. Coaches are there to get them, get them back on their right pace. All right. So that's why we have pitching and hitting coaches Absolutely. in the major I mean, leagues. How did you hear talk about the pitchers? It's mechanics are bad, or the hitters? It's mechanics is bad. You got to tweak those kind of things from time to time. But if you, I been, mean, the humans, they if, need to be tweaked from time to time. <laughs> if you've been playing the game since you were seven or eight years old, shouldn't you have learned those things by no, the time you, you get still, to the when you go into a slump, Gary Jeff? You never grow out of getting into a slump. I mean, you could be an all-pro and still going to slumps. You just have a bad game or a bad week or a bad month, and the coaches will help you come through that. That's well, what coaches do. I don't know why Chris don't know that. Remember uh, remember Tracy Jones, too sweet? Yes, sir. He he had to find a slump buster every once in a while, but I don't think it was a hitting or pitching coach. <laughs> well, I remember Tracy Jones and, and uh, Kevin Mitchell getting into a, a head-to-head. Did you hear about that one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Tracy actually told me about that one. Yes, and right. I think Tracy might have got the best of that that day. <laughs> well, he he could be a bull in a china shop, no doubt about it. Yes. All right, okay, too, too sweet. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for the knowledge. We always appreciate the four one one from Too Sweet whenever he's got time to chime in. We don't have much time left in this segment. We have what I think is a fascinating book. Uh, we're going to talk about. And the book was written by a man named Hampton Sides, who's written about six or seven great books on history. And this is about the Korean War, the Forgotten War. And the title of the book is On Desperate Ground. It's about a specific battle early on in the Korean War where 13,000 Marines encountered 100,000 Chinese in North Korea in sub-freezing, sub-zero temperatures. What led him to write the book? And more as we continue on the nightcap on 700 WLW. Within the context of Veterans Day, thought it'd be a great idea on the nightcap to talk to Hampton Sides, the author of On Desperate Ground, uh, the Korean War called the Forgotten War, and this book specifically about the Battle of the Chosin Reservoir during the Korean War, with 13,000 Marines. Face down 100,000 Chinese troops. Hampton Sides, good evening. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So what was your impetus for writing this book? How did you get interested in uh, your research? And tell me all about it. Well, like most of my books, um, it really started with an individual. I met a veteran of the battle uh, at a book signing back in 2001, I think it was, a long time ago, Oh wow! who uh, came up and talked to me about it, and he, I noticed that he was missing a, a digit. One of his fingers uh, was missing because of frostbite from this battle, because this was a battle that was fought in 35 below zero weather. Oh, Unbelievable conditions in the mountains of North Korea. But he said, you know, you should write about this battle, the, the reservoir, the Chosin Reservoir, and I, you know, I'd never heard of it before, and I think probably like most Americans, I didn't know much about anything to do with the Korean War. It is our forgotten war, yep. and it is a, you know, some people think 
it wasn't even a war, you know, that it was a police action or a conflict or whatever. But, well, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a declared war by the United States under, right. under the auspices of what we call wars, but it was r- definitely r- a war. Right, but, uh, you know, if those 33,000 Americans who died in Korea certainly think would have, you know, if you could ask them, sure. they would say it was a war. And, you know, I, I started just uh, because of my own ignorance about this period of our history, I just started digging into it. And um, I realized that this was the most interesting and the most sort of epic and the most dramatic of the, all the battles of the Korean War. And, you know, because I'm a narrative historian, I, I wanted to find a single story that had a kind of clear beginning, middle, and an end. Sure. The rest of the Korean War goes on for three years and has a lot of kind of messy, complicated um, back and forth, and eventually ends up more or less where it all started, which is the 38th uh, parallel. But um, this battle, I mean, God, you know, it has just it's just unbelievable um, fighting, much of it hand to hand in the mountains of North Korea at the moment when the Red Chinese have entered the war, and because it was fought under such extreme conditions, extreme weather, terrain, and overwhelming numbers of the enemy, it sort of brought to the fore this ferocious, uh, ferocious survival instinct and all these individual acts of, of, of bravery. It is the most decorated battle in modern American history, and, you know, I just said, you know, I'm going in. This is just a fascinating study, and, and it's also one of the battles that the Marine Corps celebrates and, and studies more than any of, you know, as much as any of their other battles. So I decided uh, this is a great great project to sink my teeth into. What was the ultimate outcome of the Battle of, for the Chosen Reservoir? Well, <clears throat> technically, uh, one could call it uh, a victory for Mao and his men because technically they ejected um, the Americans from the battlefield uh, through overwhelming numbers of their own men. But they suffered astonishing, astonishing casualties. And, you know, really, it only happened because what Mao was willing to sustain those kinds of casualties. Sure. As many as 33,000 um, Chinese died in, the, in this battle, in the 17 days of the, of the Chosen Reservoir. That's interesting you uh, say that, Hampton, uh, because I flashed back to World War II and what Stalin was willing to do, starving millions of his people to death. To, to ward off Nazi Germany, right. Uh, so, so so Mao made the same kind of decision. He didn't care he how how many of his into men the, into the meat grinder. It didn't matter. Right. I mean, they, were, they were cannon fodder, and uh, that many of them didn't even have weapons. Um, let me repeat that. Many of them didn't have weapons. <laughs> oh, they, they just marched into uh, you know into the battlefield. The first wave had weapons. They would get mowed down, and the second wave would pick up those weapons and keep going. And, um. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, they were, they were an army that had a lot of advantages in a way they, because they were a guerrilla army. They were a foot army. They had no vehicles, so they marched overland well, they through probably, the mountains. They probably knew the terrain better than the Americans as well, didn't they? They, they 
did, and, and they had been fighting in the Chinese Civil War and had, you know, all kinds of techniques for surprise and ambush and, you know, uh, you know flexibility of movement, whereas we were this mechanized army that had to stick to the road. So they always knew where we were. Uh, we had tanks and we had uh, we had jeeps and we had ambulances and we you know our, our artillery pieces that rolled along. So so it's kind of a classic example of asymmetric warfare, which what we now call asymmetrical warfare. Uh, and they were able to inflict a lot of damage on us, but in the end, we even though we exited the, the field, we inflicted staggering numbers, uh, about 30 to one casualties on, on them. Well, you, you mentioned this Korean War veteran that came up to you at a book signing way back in the early 2000s. Yeah. It kind of got you interested in writing this and researching it. Um, have is is that veteran still alive? Do you have contact? with I have that no man? idea. I you know I I don't know what happened to him, and I don't I don't know his name even. Uh-huh. I really hope I, I know he was in Virginia, and uh, you know I would love him. I'd love, I'd love to, to meet him again uh, after all these years, but he's the one that got me started on this. Uh, you know, then I met a bunch of other Chosen Reservoir guys, and of course, by the time I finished the research for this book, I probably interviewed 70 or more. And, uh, you know, they're out there all over the place. Most of them, by the way, tend to live in Florida, uh, Texas, uh, southern Arizona, and southern California. S- somewhere because- where it's never minus 30 degrees. <laughs> Right, right, and you know, and, and not only that, the almost uh, almost all of them suffer some sort of side effects and symptoms from uh, frostbite, uh, peripheral neuropathies in their hands and feet, yeah. and uh, things like that. So the dream about the cold, it's just like it was the third combatant in this in this battle, old man winter. Well, yeah, you know, th- that's the thing. If the average person who's never served time in combat, like myself, thinks about hand-to-hand combat or combat with weapons, whether it's the desert of Afghanistan or Iraq, whether it's a jungle like in Vietnam, whether it's in the mountainous cold of a place like Korea, can't even imagine what the battle's like without battling the elements, too. I mean, that was a major component in this and, and adding to the misery, as you mentioned. Yeah. Absolutely, and you know it affected everything—not just the men. Oh, the machinery. You know the machinery too. Things you know wouldn't machine. Some of the engines wouldn't start back up. The weapons wouldn't fire properly. The artillery wouldn't. You know, wasn't as accurate. The, sure. Um, the uh, you know batteries on their radios just fizzled, um, and so many other things that you know it just became this constant force that you had to deal with and it slowed everything down and you know their thought processes and their ability to just do something simple like you know open up a, a can of beans you know sure. it, just, it just everything took forever and um so that you know that certainly was, was something that drew me to this story i i i used to write for and i'm still an editor for outside magazine which is a kind of an adventure and travel magazine that uh, writes a lot about survival stories. And, you know, this struck me as the kind of ultimate military survival story because, you know, they're, they're, they're battling for their lives. They're battling for, against the cold and the terrain and trying to get out of this trap that uh, the Chinese have rather expertly uh, set for them. Uh, but, of course, it, it needs to be said, they were put into this position 
uh, because of some really bad decision-making and some intelligence failures at the very high levels, like General MacArthur. Uh, they shouldn't have been there in the first place, these Marines. Had no idea that the Chinese were laying in wait. Well, the, the Marines had caught, you know, and it captured and interrogated a number of these Chinese earlier on and sent the intelligence up the food chain, and MacArthur's men in Tokyo said, you know, these aren't really Chinese. They're, they're ethnic Koreans, North Koreans, who happen to be from Manchuria. They're volunteers. They're rogue elements. He didn't want to believe that they were actually there in large numbers. And I mean, it really was one of our great intelligence failures of all all time, all American history. Uh, 300,000 Chinese soldiers come across the Yalu and you don't know it? How, how, does, that, how right. does that happen? Well, there, there you go, the old uh, <laughs> oxymoron of military intelligence at work again. Right, but, right. But Hampton Sides is our guest on Desperate Ground is the book. How long did this battle last at the Chosin Reservoir? How long were, well, our, how long were our Marines uh, facing down tra- the Traditionally, they say 17 days. Um, it sort of depends on where you mark the official start of the war. Um, it really started on the night of November 27th, uh, 1950, uh, and it took them several weeks to first to just react and, you know, hold on for dear life and dig in and uh, react to all these waves of Chinese, and then to come up with a plan to break out of this trap took, you know, a number of days, and then they marched uh, for took about 10 days for them to get out of the mountains. Uh, it's a 70-mile march down this single-lane road t- to the sea where an enormous evacuation was planned uh, on, the, on the level of Dunkirk uh, because it also involved over 100,000 North Korean civilians who were evacuated. Uh, so, you know, it's just a story that's just epic in every, in every respect. And... Uh, you know, one that um, the Marine Corps, of course, just celebrates and embraces as one of their great battles. Sure. Now, you did some research in Cincinnati for this book? I did. Um, I, um, I was at a reunion of the Chosen Few. This the, what they, this organization calls itself, the Chosen Reservoir, the Chosen Few. Yeah. Uh, this reunion was in, uh, I think it was in Springfield, Illinois, and I met a gentleman from Cincinnati, uh, a a Korean. He was from North Korea originally, uh, a doctor who had retired and spent his life in Ohio. But uh, he started to tell me his story of his youth in Korea uh, and all of its various twists and turns, you know, growing up under the Japanese occupation as a kid. And then the Soviets came and took over North Korea. And then North Korea became this police state. And he escaped to the south with some of his family, they, they moved to Seoul and at great risk moved to Seoul. And then, uh, of course, the North Koreans invaded in June of 1950, and uh, his family was all murdered. Oh, and uh, he uh, hid out in this house uh, for a long time because they were trying to find him. And then, then the Americans came and, you know, destroyed Seoul in the, in the course of <laughs> liberating Seoul sure. uh, and re- restored it to the South Korean government. Uh, and he came out of hiding and joined the Americans, and uh, they sent him back to North Korea, to his hometown, uh, which is right in the thick of this battle uh, of Chosen Reservoir. And so I follow his twists and turns through all of this because his story really tells the story of the, of, of the two Koreas and the tragedy of 
of separating these two nations. It was truly one nation, one culture, one language. Uh, they should never have been, you know, separated in the first place. And all these families that have been displaced and, um, you know, not allowed to, to, to see each other again after all these years, it's, it's tragic and, and, uh, and, you know, a poignant story, and, and his story kind of captures that. As someone who, uh, and I didn't mention his, I didn't mention his name. He's, his name is Dr. Uh, Bai Suk Lee, and his wife Mi Yong, uh, and they live there in Cincinnati. And um, he's retired from the medical profession. Uh, just a, a wonderful man, very generous. He took me out to the, like the best Korean meal I've ever had in my life, and uh, told me his life story and, and hers as well. And um, uh, they're they're wonderful folks. Well, as as someone who appreciates and loves history myself. And loves a good story. It's amazing how, since, I mean, how many books have you written, Hampton? I think this is my seventh. Seventh. And, and they're all historical? Yes. Uh, uh, some journalism is uh, uh, narrative history. Right, exactly. But th- this is all based on factual events. It's, yes. It's amazing how people go to these great ends to craft these wonderful fictional stories and novels it's amazing how the actual facts and the actual text of what actually transpired in the course of human events is most often, for me, more entertaining than what somebody has made up. Uh, well, it, certainly, for example, the story of Baisuk Lee and his family and all of its twists and turns, if you put yeah. that in a novel, I think people would say it's just preposterous. You know, truth is stranger and more powerful and, and more poignant than fiction quite often. Um, and I, I think that's definitely true for the stories that I've, I've chosen to write about uh, over the years. And I can't imagine doing anything different. It's just uh, it's an amazing way to learn, you know, learn about the past and, and try to make the past come alive on the page. Sure. How many uh, have you heard from any Korean veterans since this book came out? Oh, yeah. That's been one of the great joys of the book tour I've been on the uh, last three weeks. Uh, they'll just kind of come out of nowhere. Sometimes I know happen to know one or two of them, but, uh, you know, everywhere I go, there's m- men of the chosen few who, who who come to the event, and I have them take a bow, and sometimes they've come up and spoken and thanked, thanked me for, for, for doing this book. But, of course, the thanks is, you know, it's all in the other direction. It's the, the, this book is about them. It's their story. And, um, you know, everyone ends up giving them a standing ovation and, you know, especially these guys, because these are the guys that are exiting the stage now. You know, we're losing these guys. I, I was just going to say, you know, we're, we're losing World War II veterans. There are very, very few of them left anymore. But Korea was just a couple years after that. And these guys right. are all in their, their 80s and, you know. Yeah, they're late 80s, early 90s. And they're, you know, we're losing them. And my... My own family. You know, this is my parents' generation. I, my stepfather died this summer. He was a Korean War vet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and so they're, we're losing them. But it's also just this notion that they fought in a war that has sort of been put off to the side, glossed you know, over. The, the the marquee event of World War II got all the headlines, and you know, understandably so, I guess. But. Uh, this is like little brother <laughs> fought in this battle and, and this war and, uh, and, uh, you know, maybe didn't get the recognition and the thanks that he deserved. Um, of course, now it's also true that there are a lot of guys who fought in both those wars. Sure. Uh, they fought in World War II and then, 
And then they got called back up. Imagine fighting like an Iwo Jima, Okinawa, and the Chosen Reservoir. Uh, but a lot of these guys did. So um, that's a, 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 sub, a subset of these guys that fought in both in both those wars. But um, well, Hampton very Sides, interesting. as an American who appreciates our military and uh, gives just, you know, it's a debt we can't ever repay as, as American citizens, as someone who loves history. I'm just glad that uh, you've given voice to these men and given them some recognition, as you said, and, and talked about what they truly went through. I mean, American history is rife with all kinds of tales of bravery and courage under fire and, and all this. It's nice to know that the chosen few have a spokesperson, and that's you. Mm-hmm. Well, nice of you to say so, and I've certainly, you know, it's just been a great joy getting to know some of these guys, and, you know, I feel like they're my uncles, and, um, you know, I love hearing for, from them, and, and unfortunately, we've lost a number of them just what, since I interviewed them. Sure. Um, so that's just a reality and something that we all have to deal with, but uh, Veterans Day, you know, go out and honor these guys however you can, and, and make sure they know that you appreciate what they did. We have a wonderful honor flight uh, society here in, in the tri-state, too, that takes those veterans to their memorials in Washington, D.C. on a regular yeah, basis yeah. at no That's charge great, to them. Great program. Hampton Sides on Desperate Ground. The story. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Of the Battle of the Chosen Reservoir during the Korean War, the Forgotten War, many people call it, 13,000 Marines facing a literal 100,000 Chinese troops in the mountains of North Korea. Thank you so much for your time, Hampton. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right. On Desperate Ground, the name of that book. Take a break on the nightcap and uh, be right back. 700 WLW. It is the nightcap on 700 WLWL. To say the least, it's been a crazy uh, 36, 48 hours. And and even today has been nuts. <laughs> from, from the press conference, the news conference in the East Room of the White House to the announcement following shortly thereafter that President Trump had asked for the resignation of Attorney General Jeff Sessions, Mr. Recusal, and uh, and everybody's just going nuts. It it seems like it never ends. Mike Allen, how are you? Hey, Gary, Jeff, how you doing? Host of Saturday Midday and 700 WLW Legal Eagle, Michael A. Allen, joining us tonight on the nightcap. Uh, first, let's go with the election results. I thought that with all of the bluster of a blue wave, and what's happened historically in the past, for the most part, in a president's first term, when the midterms come around, President Trump, he kind of skated on what could have happened, right? He really did. I, nationally, I think the Republicans outperformed uh, all expectations. I think everybody was resigned to losing the House. But in the Senate, it looks like, Gary, Jeff, if the recounts go the way that uh, we think they will, they'll pick up five Senate seats. And that's important because, you know, Trump's going to have some turnover in his cabinet. We already know about Jeff Sessions. And 
that will make it easier for him to get those cabinet picks and judicial picks through with a uh, strengthened Senate. Uh, so, And, yeah, and, and mean, Mike, the other part of that is, as, as you well know, and we've talked about already tonight, whatever the House tries to do, they're going to have to get any kind of legislation past the Senate. And the people who are still talking impeachment, the the real wing nuts like Maxine Waters, that obviously isn't going to go anywhere. And, and the Democrats, at least for their part, at least for Nancy Pelosi's part, have no stomach to, uh, while they're going to launch investigation after investigation just to slow the president's agenda down or stop it completely the next two years, uh, there there's going to be no impeachment. There can't be. Uh, you know what? I, I think the Democrats, if they're smart, would uh, take a lesson from the Republicans when they impeached Bill Clinton. It didn't do them any good. And uh, I, I think cooler minds will prevail. But who knows? I mean, you know, who knows if Nancy Pelosi has got control over some of the crazier ones like Maxine Waters. Uh, they would be well served, the Democrats, to focus on legislating and not investigating. But I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens. Locally in Hamilton County, Ooh. what a bloodbath. You know what, Gary Jeff? I-, I saw it coming. I was chairman of the party back in the 90s, and you could see the beginnings of what was happening, the demographic shift in Hamilton County. You know, anybody that thinks uh, Hamilton County is a red county or even a purple county is wrong. I mean, it's a Democratic county now. I mean, look at Chris Monzel. I think Chris raised close to $400,000. Stephanie Dumas, although I think she was a good candidate, I don't think she raised any money, and, and he got killed. The judicial races, Republicans lost the majority of the judicial races. And I am certain that the Republicans were better funded than the Democrats. So it's a whole different ballgame in Hamilton County. And if anybody ever had any doubts about that, I think those doubts were dispelled last night. I mean, all you got to do is look at the top of the ticket. Uh, Mike DeWine and all the other statewide offices, they won pretty handily in the state of Ohio, but boy, not in Hamilton County. I mean, they all got trounced. And the way it used to be back in the day, Hamilton County was counted on to kind of counterbalance what happened up north in Cuyahoga County. Mike, that, that's it, happened. That's not the case anymore. I've been here since 1994, and that's been the case pretty much the entire time I've lived in this area. You could yeah. count on southwest Ohio to bring the bacon home for the Republicans just to counter what was going on in Cuyahoga County and in and Toledo and other places which are much vastly more liberal, or traditionally have been, than than Hamilton County and southwest Ohio. But it is totally flipped in, in just the, the 20 years I've been here. It's absolutely flipped, and, and it's happened in a relatively fast uh, amount of time. And southwest Ohio is still pretty pretty red, it's just Hamilton County. I mean, Hamilton County has lost those voters to Butler, Warren, Claremont County, and Northern Kentucky. And, and what you got left pretty much is the urban core and the um, the outlying communities, many of them. The demographics are changing, and therefore is changing is the allegiance to political parties. It's forevermore until maybe in another 100 years when there's another demographic shift. It's going to be it's going to be an uphill battle for Republicans in Hamilton County. Well, you talk about the urban core, and and this is true all across the country, in these midterms. If you get to the cities, and now some of the sur- suburban votes 
are becoming more and more blue, and it seems like the rural counties uh, and the flyover country in the United States of America becoming more and more red. Yep. So we've got more polarization. Uh, the greater population centers, obviously, in the big cities and in the suburbs. But there's a whole swath of land in this country. If you look at the results from last night and you look at the red and blue on the map, the red still dominates across the country. Mm-hmm. But if you get into a major urban core, whether it's Chicago, Detroit, New York, L.A., San Francisco, you get into these major cores, and it happened in Texas, too, in Houston, in, in Harris County. Uh, mm-hmm. They're so blue. It's just – and do you think – and I'm not race-baiting here at all. Do you think mm-hmm. think Miss DeMoss won because of her, the color of her skin and the turnout? <laughs> You know what? I don't know. I mean, I, my guess is that probably not not a, a lot. There were probably a lot of people that didn't know what race she was because she's not well known. I mean, I've seen her out on the stump, and she's good. I mean, she's real good on the stump. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't think she raised any money, Gary Jeff. And if you don't do that, you can't get your message out, which just drives home the message even more that an underfunded Democrat. Uh, can be handily a very well-funded Republican in Hamilton County. I mean, you know, like I said, if a, a sitting a sitting now, commissioner, they don't, shouldn't now. Yeah, a sitting commissioner at that. Exactly. Uh, who's done and, done real in 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 the face of being the only Republican in the Hamilton County Commission up until last night, he has battled the headwinds of liberal spending and taxing and and the like that's on that commission. Somebody else was pointing out back when the fight was uh, linking Music Hall with uh, Union Terminal and trying mm-hmm. to get the taxpayers to pony up for that. There were two Republicans on the commission at the time, and they said, no, you need to take another look. Where you're... And, and they somehow came up with private funding for a lot of that. So yep. that's completely gone now. And I wonder, well, I, I wonder if they try and impose that sales tax they tried to, to pull over the uh, voters' eyes earlier in the year again. You know what? I don't know. I mean, Todd Portoon said today, I read something where he said, yes, it's a great opportunity, but with that opportunity comes a lot of responsibility. I mean, you know, there are not going to be any Republicans to blame anymore. I mean, I happen to think Todd Portoon is a pretty good public servant, and he's a pretty smart guy, too. Uh, You know, I would think he'd have more sense than to just jump right back into it, but I mean, there's no one to blame anymore as far as county finances go, because... It's all Democrat now, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with in the next budget. Did you see the news conference at the White House today? (laughs) I did. God, I I was laughing my ass off, Mike. I'm sorry. (laughs) Pardon my language, but I was. I'm laughing my ass off at Trump. You're rude. Give her the mic. Give her the mic. You've asked your question. And pointing out fake news and all that. Yeah, go ahead. I've been following this stuff for a long, long time, and and it's been a long time coming that the media has gotten their comeuppance. Uh And and I don't agree with a lot of the things that uh, Trump says. I agree with just about all of his policies, but the, the national media has had that coming for a long time. And the thing about the national media is, you know, everybody talks about coming together and, and working together yep. and, and, you know, lowering the rhetoric. The problem with the national media is they're just so adverse to any kind of self-reflection or self-examination. You know, they can't admit 
whatsoever that there's any fault in the way that they cover this president. So I, there are a lot of people saying, you know, more power to you, Mr. President, especially as it applies to Jim Acosta. I mean, that go, it's beyond disrespect at this point. Yeah, I, I think he ought to be thrown out of that room. I mean, his conduct today, did you see him fighting over the microphone? Yeah. I mean, it was horrible, absolutely horrible. And Trump was rather subdued at that point. I mean, I think he was being as polite as possible for him to be. but Especially to Jim, Jim Acosta. Yeah, he's way over the line. But there again, you know, people are figuring it out. There's Exhibit A why you have this blatant bias in the national media, and they will never do anything to take a look inward at themselves. Because, you know, I talk about it on my show all the time. One of the premier traits of a liberal or progressive or whatever you want to call them is arrogance. And they're so arrogant, they don't think that they have any kind of uh, responsibility for the, the sad shape of discourse in our politics. So I don't see it getting any better. Well, you know, one of these days, something is going to happen, and and I don't know what it's going to take, to force reporters to be reporters and not uh, commentators. Because <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a distinction. Uh, every Saturday morning on my show, and you know I do a very opinion-driven show, uh, mm-hmm. this one included, but every Saturday morning, right after you come on the air, I say, here's what's passing for news around the country, around the world, around yeah. the tri-state, and I just read the stories without any commentary. And yep. I want to make that that delineation. So this is this is what's being reported. Now let's talk about it. Uh, we'll we'll talk about what happened with the attorney general today, and, and as we move forward uh, in just a moment, Mike, if you can hang on. Sounds good. Uh, more with Mike Allen momentarily on the nightcap on seven hundred WLW. Now today, immediately following that uh, very entertaining news conference with President Trump. In the East uh, Room of the White House, the uh, the news came that the president had asked for Jeff Sessions' resignation, and Jeff Sessions turned in his resignation. That that was like a half an hour after this news conference ended. Mike Allen talking with us on the nightcap on seven hundred WLW. The writing's been on the wall for this for a while, hasn't it, Michael? Absolutely, uh, and the president moved quickly on it. You know, and. I don't know. I think he could have been a little more courteous to Jeff Sessions, but it's obvious that that relationship was irretrievably broken, and we're probably all better served uh, with a new attorney general, whoever that may be. Uh, but, yeah, no surprise, and Trump's kind of hinted too, Gary Jeff, that this is going to be the only one. There'll be some more shuffling of the cabinet, but, you know, this one uh, – this one is going to be interesting to see because of the implications with the Mueller investigation. Well, it's not unprecedented for a president to fire an attorney general after midterms. It's happened many times in the past. Again, the added in element is the fact that this Mueller investigation continues to drag on. It was thought that maybe they would tidy it up and issue their final report with the midterms out of the picture. But, you know, it, it goes on now. But, yep. but how do you how do you prove that the president is obstructing justice or trying to tamp down the Mueller investigation just because he fires somebody who recused himself uh, shamelessly as soon as the administration was getting its act together? I think the easy answer It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And the accurate answer is you don't. You can't prove you don't. it. You just said it. Uh, I mean, the president of the United States can hire or fire whomever he wants. And the act of him asking for the resignation of Jeff Sessions does not, underline does not constitute obstruction of justice. And good luck to the Democrats if that's one of the articles of impeachment, because that's going nowhere. Well, when they started floating the president actually sitting down with Bob Mueller's team or Bob Mueller or answering written questions, the questions that were floated were kind of like, well, how did you feel when you fired James Comey? Uh, what were you thinking at the time? It's like, well, he's lying, and I don't want him as FBI director. It was just that simple, and they made that as part of this uh, collusion obstruction witch hunt that's still going on. Well, good luck with that. I mean, good luck with proving that in the Senate. And, you know, good luck proving that beyond a reasonable doubt in any kind of criminal trial. It's just not going to happen. I, I mean, we've had two years of this collusion investigation, Gary Jeff. I mean, at some point, you know, Mueller's going to have to show his cards. Either he's got something or he doesn't. And it's not fair to the president for him to have this noose around his neck, you know, three years into his first term as president. And I think the American people feel that way as well. I mean, I heard some commentator pontificating tonight that they think that perhaps by the end of the year, the thing will either be concluded uh, with referral for charges or not. Uh, frankly, I don't see anything, you know, that they have against the president. Well, Mike, now, think- now at this point, they've got to wait until the new Congress takes the oath of office and the Democrats are in charge. Now they've got to wait for that. So, yeah, the end of the year would just be perfect timing for Bob Mueller to wrap this up. Because this yeah. lame duck Congress, is, this isn't going anywhere with the Republicans still in control until January. Well, but then after that, when the Democrats are sworn in, then you can begin the investigation into the president's uh, finances. Um, tax returns. You know, yeah, how he's profiting from people staying at his hotels. And <laughs> if the Democrats are dumb enough to do that, Gary Jeff. Oh, they are. You know, I, I think it sets up. Uh, Trump pretty good for 2020 because, you know, one thing that came through loud and clear last night uh, is the Kavanaugh effect. I mean, the senators yeah. that opposed his nomination, you know, those are the ones that lost. And the American public saw the true face of the left through that whole thing. And it wasn't a pretty picture. It wasn't a pretty if face. they're dumb enough to, to go through with impeachment proceedings hey more power to you know what they really ought to do they got to sit down and have a long talk with kenneth Starr. they got to sit down and have a long talk with newt gingrich how'd that work out with bill clinton not well exactly and you know what i remember gary jeff i mean everybody pretty knew what the drill was pretty well knew they knew that yeah that the republicans could get the articles of impeachment but there's no way Clinton's going to be convicted in the Senate, and it's the same thing here with Trump. I mean, but then when you get people like Maxine Waters and some of the other ones that they have that that really, you know, don't have a lot of sense, 
I guess the question is, I mean, who knows what they're going to do? We'll see, you know, within the coming weeks. Well, nobody knows who this Matthew Whitaker is, who was the chief of staff of Jeff Sessions at the Department of Justice and the Attorney General's office. They all point to, well, Rod Rosenstein should really be, since he's Deputy Attorney General next in line, he should be the acting Attorney General. But Rod Rosenstein obviously has some severe conflicts. And they're asking yep. Whitaker to recuse himself. Wouldn't Rod Rosenstein have to recuse himself? Yeah, one would think. And, and you're right. There are a lot of people that think that he has some pretty blatant conflicts as well. I mean, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, I heard some speculation today that perhaps uh, the president will ask, um, uh, gosh, the senator that, uh, well, I'm just drawing a blank here, um, that um, was the one that uh, gave him hell in the uh, in the hearings. Gave the Democrats. Oh, hell Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham. Yeah, I don't know. But, I don't know why. I just but do you want to do you want to lose that Senate seat in South Carolina? <laughs> well, that's the problem. I mean, it all depends yeah. on the governor. Um, you know, if it's a Republican governor, the governor picks, and you know that's what whoever this commentator was was saying. He's pretty valuable. Where he is, but I I don't know. I mean, I think he'd make a really good Attorney General, but. Yeah. We'll just have to see. I'm sure Trump has some people in mind. He's just not showing his cards at this point. Yeah, yeah. Up to up to uh, Lindsey Graham going off at the end of the Kavanaugh hearing, I always said, I I just I don't know, but my conjecture he's he's got like eighty pairs of women's panties in his closet, and a woman doesn't live with him. But boy, he put on his big boy pants real quick when it when it mattered most, didn't he? Gary Jeff, that was a thing of beauty. And I said it after it happened, and I'll say it again. That's something that's going to be remembered in this country for a long time, oh, yeah. because what the Democrats did was shameful, absolutely shameful. And, you know, you, you probably haven't heard a lot about this, but just this week, uh, two of uh, Kavanaugh's accusers, if, if, well, one of them has come out and said that, just admitted that she was lying, and they're getting ready to refer uh, one of the other ones to the Justice Department for prosecution. It was shameless what they did to that man. And I think that's a big part of why the Republicans are going to pick up a number of seats in the Senate, because people were mad about that. Here's my thing with with what happened with the Democrats and the Kavanaugh hearings. Uh, Final word here, Mike. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you lay down with porn lawyers, chances are you're going to come up with a politically transmitted disease. It's hard to disagree with that. <laughs> Mike Allen, thank you so much for your time, my brother. We'll, we'll talk okay, to you Saturday morning, if okay, not before. Yeah. All right, you thank bet. Thank you. You bet. Ah, up next, the Bulldog Marks Before Midnight on the Nightcap on 700 WLD. Yeah, time for the dog to bark on the Nightcap on 700 WLW. That dog would be the Bulldog, as an Eric Bulldog dealer to the Deers Law Firm, joining us as he most often does unless he's taking a nap or dead. Thank God neither is the case tonight. Bulldog, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm napped up, buddy. Thanks. Uh, thanks for being here with us. Well, I mean, it's it's a shame there's nothing really to talk about tonight. Nah. Where nah. where do we where do we where do we start on the nothing? Do we start with Jeff Sessions? Do we start with the results last night? Do we start with the news that just was released? Jim Acosta has now had his credentials canceled for the White House press corps. And after Ouch. after his activities today, can you really blame the White House? Yeah, you can't blame him at all. I mean, I've watched that video twice, and I think it's hilarious. It is. I mean, it's hilarious in, in the stupidity of them. And and you know you know what's amazing is what is CNN, MSNBC, and the left media 
are they what are they going to do about a man mistreating a woman like that over a microphone <laughs> oh and it, and it's it's the hashtag me too era too right you right. could call that physical assault on a woman and, and you know you know what cracks me up is is to have Juan Williams I've watched him tonight to trying to defend it by saying, well, Sam Donaldson used to yell at Ronald Reagan. Sam Donaldson never even acted, and he was kind of a jerk, but he never acted the way uh, Costa did. Here is the president of the United States. And you know what? Ask your question. Get your answer and move on. No, it's trying to embarrass and humiliate the president at a press meeting. It's like, it's like hey, I'm as important as you. Sorry, you're not. You're a CNN reporter. You're not the president of the United States. I mean, it's truly amazing. And, and you know, I think it's the classic thing. You know, you get more uh, with uh, honey and, and sugar than you do with uh, vinegar. Uh, vinegar is why, 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 why if, I, if I was in the press corps, White House press corps, I would suck up to the president. You get called more. You get more answers. You do your job more effectively. Right, and <laughs> and you you can ask questions in a more respectful way. You can still ask the same question. It's all how you phrase it. And once the right. president once the president has answered the question, maybe not to your satisfaction, like you're the judge, jury, and executioner, but he's question asked. That's his answer. It's not going to change, Jim. Right. It, it is, and I actually agree with Trump. I mean, why would you want that guy? to be your guy at the White House if you're CNN. It actually makes no sense. It makes no sense. And uh, he is a jerk. I mean, he's, he's a he's – a, he's a, and, you know, I, I think it's great the way um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and the president handle the media. I mean, I mean, you know, they deserve it. I mean, they deserve how they're handled. Well, here's, I mean, they just, yeah. they just don't put up with their crap. Here's a statement from – Sarah Huckabee Sanders tonight. President Trump believes in a free press and expects and welcomes tough questions of him and his administration. We will, however, never tolerate a reporter placing his hands on a young woman just trying to do her job as a White House intern. Wow. I mean, how, how, how more to the point? This conduct is absolutely unacceptable. She goes on. It is also completely disrespectful to the reporter's colleagues. And this is another point, not to allow them on the opportunity to ask a question because there's a limited amount of time. It's not infinite amount of time. The, the president has been more transparent and more accessible to the press than any president that I can ever recall, Eric. And, <laughs> Absolutely. And he's, pre, President Trump has given the press more access than any president in history. Contrary to CNN's assertions, there is no greater demonstration of the president's support for a free press than the event he held today. Only they would attack the president for not supporting a free press. And that's going to be it. They're going to attack him for not supporting a free press, not supporting the First Amendment to the Bill of Rights of the Constitution, all because this jerk got kicked out of the White House press corps. Yeah, I, I, I tell you something else, too, that I, I find just hysterically funny is when the next guy wanted to ask a question, decided he was going to try to de uh, defend the CNN guy. Yeah. And Trump goes, Trump goes, Trump goes, well, I don't really, I don't really like you either. <laughs> <laughs> and he was calling other reporters rude, which they were being rude. And, you know, you know, Trump, when he goes out there to get on a helicopter, he stops. He oh. has many press conferences off the cuff. He can barely hear the questions because, you know, Marine One is roaring just a few steps away. And yet he does his best to answer as many questions as possible. Trump, Trump telling that guy, he goes, you know, I don't really like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
And and from the side of Democrats and people who don't like President Trump, him call, him calling somebody rude is like, wow, you played the R card. Right. Trump is so funny. He is funny. I don't think you do a very good job either. You know, I say this all the time, Gary Jeff. Here's the way Trump works. If if I'm really nice to Trump, Trump would say something nice back. Yep. If I attack Trump, Trump would say, "Oh, that's a disbarred lawyer." <laughs> <laughs> and with you, Gary Jeff, if you were nice to him, by the way, I've never been disbarred. But he, like, he, but he would say something like that. You would be somebody. <laughs> if you were nice to him, he'd be nice to you and say, "Oh, you do really good at night." And if you if you if you insulting, your show say, sucks. Oh, you're just a bartender. Yeah, a bartender. yeah, you're just a bartender. <laughs> and by the way, your show sucks too. Isn't it great Trump lets you pick. I'm going to be your oh, friend, man. or I'm going, or I'm going to out insult you. <laughs> it was interesting to see how the uh, stock market reacted to the fact that this this thing is over for now, and there's some certainty that there's not going right. to be a whole lot of great change going on with a not split right. Congress. So, right. I mean, somebody last night was telling me, Eric, somebody last night was telling me, you know what, if if the Republicans hold the, either the Senate or the House, it's going to be bad for the market. I'm going, how? And th- this was probably the best result for the guys on uh, at Wall and Broad today. Right. And, and let me tell you something. There, everybody knows this. It follows politics. The Republican House of Representatives and, and, and the Republican-controlled Senate did not get squat done. Nothing. What really got done was Trump. Well, they got a tax bill done. But what really got done was what Trump did with the Supreme Court and deregulations and his pen. Let's face it. Paul Ryan and the Republican House sucked. So it's not going to be any worse under Democratic control, except... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The subpoenas and all the political stuff which politically is going to help Trump. So, A, there's going to be no laws passed or not passed, no difference if the Republicans kept out. But what's going to help them is in 2020, because with the Democrats sniping at the president, come 2020, the American public's going to have enough of it, and the American jury will reelect Trump. So it, politically, in my opinion, what happened last night helped. Was and good. It helped Wall Street. Yeah. Was good for the president, good for Wall Street. Paul Ryan Ryan never passed any legislation. Probably good for America. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, right. All right. Uh, Right. Well, listen, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about this. The bulldog barking before midnight on the nightcap on this Wednesday after the 2018 midterms. (sighs) If you're nice to the president, you know he's a good guy. (laughs) If if you're not nice, if you attack the president, oh, he's a child molester. (laughs) Hang on. More in just a moment on 700 WLW. Welcome back into the nightcap. 700 WLW online, 700WLW.com. More with the Bulldog, Eric Dieters. Eric, one of the strange, the most bizarre things that happened in the midterms 
yesterday was that a dead guy won his race in Nevada <laughs> against a live person. Dennis Hoff, the owner, the owner and proud pimp of the Moonlight Bunny Ranch, of course, died uh, in 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 the same room where uh, the basketball player Lamar Odin had had right. had a, a breakdown and an overdose. He died a few weeks ago, and he still won handily in his district in Nevada. How does that work? I don't know, Gary Jeff, but if your political career begins by losing. To a dead brothel owner, <laughs> where does your career go from there? I mean, where does your career go from losing to a dead brothel owner? I don't I mean, know. It's not yeah. going up. It's not going It'd up. be hard to generate, raise any money for the next campaign, that's for damn sure. It's going to be the centerpiece of your Wikipedia page. He yeah. lost to right, a dead exactly. brothel owner. It's like, it's like Michael Avenatti. This is a guy who actually, this is his claim to fame now, is ruining porn stars' lives. <laughs> has, has, has she sued him yet? Stormy oh, Daniels. It's got to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen, man. It's going to happen. It's fun, but I tell you, that is, that's a sad day in politics when you lose to a dead brothel owner. But I don't know, man. Every, you know, it's crazy. Well, the Dem- that, Democrats that, that, for years, especially in places like Chicago, were famous for having dead people who showed up at the polls to vote. If you're a Republican, you can be dead and still be a Democrat in some districts. I would think Hoff was kind of like a little miniature J. J. Edgar Hoover. Can you mention the dirt that he had on people? Oh. <laughs> I mean, Hoff probably knew a lot about lots of people. Have you, I mean, you Eric, Eric, have you, have, you, have you ever been to Pahrumpf, Nevada? No, I have not. <laughs> okay, good. You're safe. Willie has, of course, though. <laughs> oh, has he? Well, he claims he. I'm sure he didn't. He claimed he'd go out there. Remember, he'd have Hoff on all the time, but Hoff would invite him out there. But I don't think I don't think Willie ever went. I don't think Kenny ever approved that. Uh, no, no. So no. Nancy Pelosi, much more civil, and talking about working together now because she really didn't have any choice. This is the thing that a lot of people just don't understand. That the bad thing about the Democrats taking control of the House of Representatives, from my standpoint is that literally none of the president's agenda gets done in the next two years. However, the Senate is the one that confirms cabinet members and judges, so that can still go forward. Ruth Bader Ginsburg drops off the map tomorrow, and I hope not. God God bless her soul. But, I mean, she's getting up there. There could be another Supreme Court nominee put through by the Trump administration before his term ends. I, I think that there's... There's a likelihood of it. I mean, it's just it's just, it's just based on her age and her health. I mean, it's right. not good. And, you know, if they get up to that 55 mark, which it looks like they're going to, I mean, they're in great shape. And that says enough about Trump. Trump is so smart. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Barack Obama wasn't this smart. But Barack, Barack Obama was one of the worst politicians of all time. Everybody knows he didn't engage in the House. Here's Trump running against Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi. What what's happens? Pelosi, they win. What's the first thing Trump does? He calls Nancy Pelosi and says, hey, Nancy, congratulations. We, congratulations. Let's see what we can work on together, blah, blah, blah. Like maybe a, they keep talking about a transportation bill, you know. He keeps talking, you know, um, improvements bill. He, he goes, da, da, da. but you know what he's doing? One of two things. Either A, Nancy Pelosi will play ball with him. And he will get to say, hey, I freaking got something done with the Democratic. I reached or across B, the aisle. Or B, she won't. He said, hey, I tried. 
Hey, I tried. This you is know? this is the best. This is the best 2020 campaign message that President Trump could have gotten out of this. If Nancy Pelosi exactly. is Speaker of the House, I tell you, Trump started out the gate. Well, first of all, he was, he was a great politician for getting elected president. Yeah. You know, he stumbled a little bit. You know, learning how to be the president and White House. I think Trump is on a roll right now. I think he is adapted, adopted, and he is agile, mobile, and hostile when he needs to be in the White House right now. And I think he's become an extremely effective politician in the presidency. I mean, I think he really knows how to do You know, look at the rallies, like going out there and drawing the crowd that he did in the midterms basically added seats to the Senate. There's no way you there, – there's no other way you can say it. He is the one that did it. He probably helped get DeWine, you know, hold, hold Ohio, Rick Scott, hold Florida. I mean, he is, he is a very effective politician, and he knows, hey, I'm going to talk to – again, Trump is a zero-sum guy. He's like, okay, we either do the deal or I'm coming after you. <laughs> so, Nancy Pelosi, I'm going to do this. Or not, and and he'll and he'll he'll make whichever one you choose work for him. That's what he does. Oh yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, and this Jeff Sessions thing is another great example. You know, Jeff Sessions. Everybody says, "How did come out in the day?" How shrewd is that? He waited the day after the midterms. Right. Perfect time. Perfect time to say, "See you later, Mister Sessions." And if we all know that he wanted to do it sooner, but he knows, hey, I gotta wait till after the midterms. And and you know another great thing about Gary Jeff, he's doing it. It's gonna be a couple months before the Republic the Democrats take over the House. So it's a perfect time for him to do it. And guess what? It will die down a little bit and he's got cover. You know who he, you know who Jeff Sessions was, Bulldog? Jeff Sessions was Randy Clampett. No, he was he was reincarnated. No, no, no. He was Joe Pesci in the movie Goodfellas, who thinks he's going to be a made man. And they open the door with two right. guys behind him, and he sees the fish on the right. wall in an empty room. He goes, oh, sh. Because Jeff, right. Jeff Session knew this was coming. Everybody knew this yeah, was he, coming. Yeah, every, it, was, it wasn't a secret. Everybody knew it was coming. And I can tell you right now, Jeff Sessions was the worst attorney general in history. I don't know if there's ever been a worse. Eric, Eric Holder? Well, let me tell you about Eric Holder. Eric Holder was awful, but let me tell you what Eric Holder at least did. He guarded freaking Obama's right flank. Yeah. I mean, from a political – I'm talking about from for politically. Right. Now, Eric Holder was an awful attorney general. But I'm talking about politically, at least he protected. You know, Bobby Kennedy, you put him in there. I tell you right now, I always say if I'm ever elected president of the United States, my brother Richard's a Marine, a Marine and he's an attorney. I'll probably make my brother Richard freaking attorney general. Hell, he'll protect my right flank. Did you yes, – hold on, hold on. Before we go any further, did you just announce for 2020, Eric? No, I'm going to go to 2024. I'm, I'm for Trump 2020. But I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> Jeff Sessions from day one did nothing to protect the guy that gave him the freaking job. Right. I mean, when he, when he, when he recused on Russia, I was like, oh, my God, what a wimp. What a wimp. It always, made me, it, always, it always made me wonder what somebody has on Jeff Sessions. That's what it always made me wonder when he recused himself. I don't know. I, I mean, Jeff Sessions is so weak. You know, all these people that defended him said, oh, you know. And then, by the way, Trump's got cover, too. People don't realize these things don't happen in a vacuum. You know, about a mm-hmm. month or so ago, or maybe it was a few months ago, Lindsey Graham said he thinks it's time for Sessions to go yep. because it's just not good for the White House. It's not good for our country to have all this animosity. And I'll tell you right now, Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, 
and there's some others, I guarantee you the White House said, we're doing this right after, and I guarantee you that the story is, we've got your back. I bet you Nunes, I'll get you, I bet I guarantee you Devin Nunes knew it was coming because he said, hey, you're in, you're, you're in control of that committee for two more months, so you're going to freaking protect my right flank here. Um, so I, I just, I just think, again, this Jeff Sessions thing, everybody, it, thank God it finally freaking happened. And when the press and the left thinks that the attorney general, mm-hmm. the attorney general is an independent guy, no, he's freaking not. He's a political he appointee he's serving at the pleasure of, yeah, serving at the pleasure of the president. Listen, Bulldog, I got to run, but one last time, okay. if you're sure. nice to Trump, wow. You you right. walk you walk the walk of Jesus. If you're attacked right. Trump, you're the devil. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I love it. Why do people not learn that, man? Thanks, Bulldog. Nice Trump. Take All care, brother. Thanks, we'll talk soon. All right. More than Nightcap ad on 700 WLW. And now joining us from the what used to be the red state of Texas, out of Austin, Texas, MainstreamMentalHealth.org, also the host of Mainstream Mental Health Radio, the one, the only, Dr. John Huber, forensic psychologist. Dr. Huber, how are you this evening? I am amazing. I knew it! I knew it! I won again! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm glad that this is over for at least a day, but of course today the 2020 presidential election began, so... Yes, exactly. Is politics ever over? Uh, not since, uh, what, 2007, 2008, something like that. No. Yeah. Since you are a psychologist, you're a professional, uh, and I need professional guidance here in this realm. What do you think this has done to America's collective psyche? The fact that we're in these divisive, constant political battles back and forth with each other. Uh, sometimes completely losing track that the other person you're talking to or you disagree with is a human being just like you. What's the psychological effect on America, do you think? Well, it's bringing the whole country down. You know, the, the, the premise of our country, the greatness of it, was the ability to communicate and talk and express different ideas and come to a mutual understanding, not right. necessarily always one way or the other. And what we've had for, you know, almost two decades now is – is uh, a political mindset where let's just get everybody responding to purely emotional responses instead of giving them an opportunity to discuss the platforms and what's going on. Use some reason and logic. Right. And and so that's going away. And it's gone away. You can't prove a negative. So when you say someone is a misogynist or, or a racist uh, or a racist or, or, or a gang rapist. <laughs> or a gang rapist that you can't prove that they're not. And that's why in this country, part of the greatness is that you're you're not guilty until proven guilty. So, you know, but that's in a court of law. That's not in the court of, of the media. Public opinion. And politics. Yes. So it has uh, come to that where we're, we're saying how badly we're hurt. We're saying how people have harmed us. And we don't have to prove our argument, we just have to sit back and let it stain the person who may or may not be a good person. I'm not saying it's Anne Lamar, but uh, and, and we get it 24 7. We've got people who no longer read the content of stories, they read the headlines. If it agrees with them, they love it, they like it, they pass it on to their other friends. If it disagrees with them, they just ignore it and they act like it never even happened. Right. And 
you know, part of that is we've lost this this discourse, this ability to communicate back and forth on a level that that uh, you know doesn't require us to pull out swords and and guns and all that kind of stuff, and uh, led us to this this outcry that oh I'm offended so you can't say that kind of model, and uh, absolutely uh, manipulating and turning the the whole mechanism that is politics and voting in this country, and it's pretty scary. I, I do have faith, and I do believe we will you know, swing that pendulum back around in the other direction. I don't think we have a choice but to do that, but uh, it may happen in spite of our choices. Nancy Pelosi, who's gearing to be the next Speaker of the House, sounded, <clears throat> sounded almost reasonable today. Uh, well, and, That's and, the benefit of, of what sure. happened, the fact that, that not one side controls everything. Now they actually have to come to the table, and, and if they want to get anything done, they have to have an open discourse. However, and on so, the other hand, and again, she's not a patient of yours, and we try not to get into too political a conversation when you and I talk, by design. But yes. on the other hand, while she's not a patient and you haven't examined her personally, what the hell's wrong with Maxine Waters? <laughs> <laughs> well, first, first of all, I have to think that anybody who wants to be in politics probably should not be in politics, and it's they're very one-sided and narcissistic, and I don't think any of them ever consider what it does to the rest of their family. So I, I have some serious questions about that perspective in general. Um, you know, I, I'm just going to bite my tongue on any specific comments because, believe it or not, I've actually met a few of these people. And being here in Texas, I, I occasionally have to be thrown into a room with some of these people and need to uh, sure play. Yeah, I need I need to play it play it appropriately and and say, hey, I'm a, I'm my nonprofit is run off donations and. If anybody would like to support me, check it out at drpsycho.org. There you go. Uh, and, and going back to the Harvey Weinstein, which was actually yeah. the, the the precursor to all of the hashtag Me Too movement in this country. While it's wonderful that women who have been seriously sexually abused and objectified and treated as lesser than their male counterparts in the case of Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, you know, we can go down the list. Um, what kind of what kind of floodgate did that open that was negative for America? And we we saw it during the Kavanaugh trial, obviously, but or confirmation well, hearing. You know, I think I think the, the good thing that happened out of, for example, Bill Cosby is it, it empowered a lot of women who who uh, may be in similar situations where there's somebody in power over them who has assaulted them. Right. I think it's it's uh, it bodes well for the women who are reporting that an, another man who's significantly more powerful than than Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, is threatening that uh, has has threatened them sexually and assaulted them sexually, and these women, I think that empowers them and emboldens them to continue their their process. You know, most of these victims when they end up on the stand, they end up having to be assaulted a second time. Yeah, just to get their story across. I think uh, if we move that down to Kavanaugh, again, Kavanaugh, you know, there, there was no supporting arguments for this. Right. So my my concern is 
that maybe there are women now who are going to back off and not go and report their situation because of somebody who came up and didn't have supporting evidence. Well, I've always and said made the same claim. I've always said that women who 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 report this activity falsely tremendously damages women who are are truly wronged and sexually abused every time. Definitely, and you know, say what we want. There has been an FBI background. There were at least six background checks previous to this with Kavanaugh. And, uh, you know, they went back and talked to his elementary school teachers, for goodness sakes. You know, as some of these accusations have been there, it would have popped up. That's my best guess scenario. Anyway, I'm not part of the investigation. I don't know for certain, but they have sure. cleared him. And uh, he's now been cleared seven times. Right. I, that That's good enough for me. Dr. Huber, I, I will confess something to you and, and the audience at this time. In kindergarten, I was cited for double-dipping my graham cracker in another student's milk. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know that guy who just won that uh, billion-dollar lotto? Yeah. I think about 25 years ago, he touched me inappropriately. <laughs> More with Dr. John Huber on the nightcap in just moments on 700 WLW. <laughs> no, you're not. 700 WLW. We're talking with Dr. John Huber from MainstreamMentalHealth.org. Uh, a regular appearer on this program, and glad to have you. Thank you, thank you for making time for us again, Doctor Huber. Um, I, I, you, I've mentioned to you my cat who thinks he's yes. a dog. Yes. Well, he started something new, and I know you're not a pet psychologist, but <laughs> when my wife or I are otherwise involved and in, in busy watching TV, whatever we're doing, right? The cat has decided to come up and gently bite our elbows to get our attention to play with him when he, he he's he's gone from just sitting there looking at us to now he's basically mounting of uh well it's a mild but still a physical assault yes yes my cat does that only in the curve of your ankle you know in the front oh yeah whenever whenever there's no food in his food bowl no i mean he really doesn't care about food he just wants attention <laughs> He just uh, literally wants attention all the time. Any any <laughs> suggestions? And he said, "Give him attention." Give him what? Give him attention if he wants it. Oh, I, th- I was. I thought you said give him a pension. Hell, I don't even have a pension. <laughs> it's like Brooksy, well, sign up for your four hundred one k. That's right. <laughs> we've yeah, we've got first, temptation yeah. treats. We're salting away for you when we're not around anymore. <laughs> Jeez. Well, you know. And there's different ways to give him attention. You know, I wouldn't do anything that would cause any harm. No, no, no. Of course not. We love him. You know, know, snuggling, petting, um, you know, keep keep a couple pieces of lunch meat in your pocket all the time. My pets. See, that's it. He doesn't. He doesn't like human food. That's the only way he's not dog-like. He doesn't. He doesn't beg. He only wants his cat food. The occasional cat treat. He, He likes catnip. Okay. Yeah. But it's it's really not it's a non-starter as far as when he wants attention. He likes rubber bands. He likes twist ties. He likes the ball and stick. He fetches. I think I've told you that. Uh, before. You told me that. I want to see a video someday, though. Oh, you know what? Tomorrow, if I'm at home from the bar for a little while and he's he's got it going on, I'll I'll whip the phone out and awesome. you will be able to to watch him fetch awesome. a rubber band and bring it back to my feet with in, in his mouth. And lay it down and look at me. Like, okay, I'm here. Let's, let's that do, is so do this funny. Again. 
How was your uh, How was your Halloween? Was it fun? It was good. It was good. It rained here the whole night. We didn't have one person knock on our door. But uh, we went through three pounds of Kit Kats in about a half an hour. Wow, that's amazing! It took me about three days to get through mine. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have your wife check your Halloween candy to make sure it's okay? No. Just curious. Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, we go X-ray at the at the emergency room. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Irradiated chocolate. Yay! Anything else that's uh, that's a trend that you think of uh, on social media? Anything else for us to be worried about lately? Is there anything new happening? I've never gotten involved in any of the the challenges. I mean, the Tide Pod Please challenge, don't. obviously, but. Uh, even even the ice bucket challenge, which was for a good cause, but I've never gotten involved in any of that. You know, and I, everything is is you know potentially a bad choice on the internet. You never know. You just literally never know. Hey, eat this piece of candy, and it turns out to be a Tide Pod. Or let's do the the ice bucket challenge, and let's do it on my front end loader, and all of a sudden I crack your head open by dumping the bucket on you. Uh, it's everything should be done with caution. It's just like crossing the street. You don't just cross the street. You look both ways first. All of these need to be looked at that same way. You cross the street by looking both ways. So check everything out before you move forward with that challenge. Moving both cross, cross the stream or whatever. Um, one of the interesting things that happened last night, it's pretty comical. And shows maybe maybe it demonstrates how messed up this particular district of the country is. Yeah. Maybe it illustrates how poor the the candidate that lost was. But Dennis Hoff, the famous owner of the Moonlight right. Bunny Ranch, the pimp, basically who would uh, apparently the story was when there were new hires at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch, he had to uh, interview each girl. Yes. And yes. when I say I'm interview, sure. you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, he died a couple of weeks ago, and he won in, in his district in Nevada. They knew he was dead. It's been a couple of weeks since the pimp has been dead. A, a dead pimp beat the Democrat opponent in Nevada. Yeah, well, I, I think that speaks volumes. I really do. Well, about about his candidate or about the district or about his legacy? What, what does it speak volumes all about? Above. I, th- I think all of that, you know, and, and I wonder if, if they've actually deemed it you know, a homicide or his accidental death or what. But, you know, they always start at home, so they need to open up that bunny ranch and go investigate. That's just amazing. I mean, how would that candidate feel? I mean, she's probably going to need some therapy. I got beat by a dead guy. Hey, but at least there's a job opening up there at the ranch. (laughs) What, for her to be the new madam or? (laughs) You know, she, she... she lost. She needs a job. That's right. I mean, you but, know. but there's no one to interview her now. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure somebody stepped up. <laughs> somebody, somebody has. And they're doing it. Somebody else is doing the interviews now. Yeah. Somebody else has done an Alexander Hag. I'm in charge here now <laughs> at, at the pimp house. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, doctor, it's always wonderful to talk to you and uh, no difference here tonight. And I will work on the video of fetching Brooksy. To I send want to, see to you, Brooksy, yes. 
Brooksy's an amazing, amazing cat dog. He really, really is. <laughs> I can just get him to stop biting my damn elbow when I'm laying on the couch trying to watch TV. Hey, you know, you know, isn't that elbow? Isn't that called a weenus? A what? A weenus. That the tip of your elbow is that the is that the medical term for it? That, that I I want to say one of my physicians told me that last week. It was funny. Hmm. And I was just wondering if you knew well, I, for sure. I definitely I'm don't. Not, I'm not MD. I'm PhD. So. I definitely don't want the cat putting his teeth on my weenus. Doctor Huber, thank you so much. <laughs> now that you put it like that, neither do I. Take care, sir. <laughs> thank you. Bye bye. As always on the nightcap, we honor America at the end of this program by playing our national anthem. We do so now on 700 WLW. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.